Welcome to the Pay Matters Podcast, a podcast about the art and science of employee compensation. Each week, we deliver the best information and analysis about compensation trends. Now, here's your host, David Weaver. Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Pay Matters Podcast. I'm your host, David Weaver, president of the Compensation and HR Group and author of the book, Pay Matters. I'd like to welcome our guest, Tracy Burns, CEO of the Northeast HR Association, also known as NERA. Tracy, tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization. Good morning, David. Thank you for having me. Um, so as David mentioned, I'm the CEO of the Northeast HR Association, better known as NARA. The organization's been around for over 30 years now. I've been leading the organization since 2010. Time has flown by. Uh, prior to that, I spent about 16 years in corporate HR. I try to like finagle the math so it still looks like I'm under 40, but <laughs> I think I just, you know, I just ruined that. Um, but I spent several years in corporate HR and then decided to come and run NARA primarily because I felt like, um, I feel like HR as professionals, we spend so much time taking care of other people. And that NARA could be a place where we could take care of HR, um, both in the, you know, the hard skill stuff, but also as a community. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate that. And I've been a member of your organization probably the entire 30 years. So that tells you how old I am. <laughs> you were five. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, I have a few questions for you for our podcast. Um, can you tell us about some of the important trends you're seeing in HR right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it's interesting, David, if you'd asked me this a little over a year ago, I think my, my, my uh, answers would have been different, right? Or they would have, have had a different nuance given, you know, COVID. So um, the biggest thing continues to be talent. So that is attracting talent, retaining talent, developing talent, and it just looks different today, right? But that's still top of mind. Um, we're also largely focused on this remote where remote workforce slash migration back into whatever whatever we're going to be doing um meaning where we're going to be working how work is going to going to be done how we'll keep people engaged um is a big and, and the safety around that is of of big concern um still around a lot of the skill gap right and again the skills even if I look in the HR space itself, the skills and abilities that we need HR leaders to have today are even different than they were a year ago. They're much more complex. And so we're seeing sort of a shift in the HR space. I think it sped up the need for technology, leveraging that technology, as well as some outsourcing, right? Because HR is sort of front and center. So let's get rid of all the things that we've been doing that maybe don't add a lot of value. So sort of leaning into the tech Um space. So those would be, I would say, and then just upskilling generally in um, outside of HR, just the entire workforce sort of trying to figure out what people need. So it's a much more, what I would um, sort of label as a forward thinking um, mindset, 
now then a reactive sort of thinking. So we were all kind of blindsided by this pandemic, right? So now we're like, what's next? And how do we get ahead of what else could be coming our way? That's that's excellent. And and what I saw too is the value of human resources really increased during this this pandemic. Uh, organizations were really looking to the HR department, uh, you know, for guidance. And so, talk a little bit about that. You, you, how you saw that play out? Absolutely, absolutely. So they were front and center, right? The vis- visibility has never been higher than it was in the last year. And and because the pandemic was personal, it hit our employees. And so HR leaders needed to be front and center. I had a, a couple of CHROs tell me, you know, my CEO is, I'm talking to him or her every day. They're asking me, you know, for direction on every business decision that we make and they're listening. And so, and maybe that was different for some people than it had been in the past and for others, maybe not, but it really was, um, you know, I would say also a lot of pressure. Because it, one of the things that I, I um, we keep talking about is how personal COVID became and how in an HR space where, you know, we can um, get nervous about personal conversations or allowing our managers to have personal conversations, we had to have those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you put the, you know, the race racial tension on top of that. And, and everything became really personal and it broke down, I think, some barriers in a lot of ways, because you couldn't make unilateral business decisions without understanding the real impact person by person. You couldn't assume that everybody who had young children needed X, or every female needed X, or every Black or Latina person needed X. Everybody had a different situation. So a lot of really long hours and a, re- and a lot of big decisions um, have been made by HR in the, in the last year. So that's a really interesting perspective. So do you think there were more conversations, you know, because in, in human resources, we always want managers and employees to talk. So do you think this created opportunities for more conversations to happen? What I have heard is that if there were conversations already happening and you had, let's, let's say, you know, for lack of a better word, a good manager, right? Mm-hmm. They did better. They were great. If you already had that gap, that, 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 then there was a spotlight on that. If there was any manager that wasn't having those conversations, it became um, painfully clear that there wasn't a relationship there or a comfort level there. And so there's sort of this real time upskilling from the manager's perspective as well, saying, you know, you may not be comfortable with these conversations or may, maybe you weren't giving regular feedback, but boy, you have to do it now. And so I think that there was, you know, these sort of two things that came to light. And, and at the same time, you know, these are personal conversations. And so even if you were a really good manager and you had good relationships, you still probably had to go a little deeper mm-hmm. or reach out more often, be more intentional about those conversations. Yeah. No, I agree with you totally. Well, you mentioned talent as being, you know, one of the trends and, you know, we're starting to, to see employee turnover picking up. Uh, there seems, that seems to be a big concern. I'm hearing the words war for talent again. Uh, yep. You know what? What are you seeing in the in the marketplace? So, in the broader market, absolutely, I think that a lot of it probably has to do, or seems to be tied to, the experience that people had with their employer in the last year. Right. So, if it was a good experience, despite the fact that we all went through something terrible, but if if they felt taken care of, if they felt respected, if they felt 
engaged and clued in on where the organization was going and felt like the, you know, they they have my best interest, you know, in mind. Um, then they're probably more likely to stick around. But if it was the opposite of that, if they felt you know disconnected from the organization or or that their best interests weren't you know kept at the forefront, or 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 even let's say they went into the pandemic in not such a great situation, but they were holding tight. Um, and so what we're seeing now is people like I am done. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not dealing with this anymore. Life is too short. Um, I know I don't need to settle. I can find other things. And I would say that's sort of a broad brush because there's still a lot of people that are unemployed in industries such as travel and hospitality and restaurants and things like that. But but I, I think you're seeing the movement based on you know decisions people are making personally and professionally post-pandemic. And then in the HR space, I think we're seeing the same and maybe less about the frustration and more about what I'll call poaching, right? Mm-hmm. So the wor- the talent, sp- the HR space is hyper competitive. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Everyone is looking for an HR business partner. Uh, there's a there are a fair amount of top HR jobs open. Um, people are looking for diversity, and they're looking for a, a different, maybe a different skill set than even a year ago. Perhaps maybe the an organization. So candidates are are moving. You know, again, I think some of it's based on what they've experienced and maybe perhaps some work life balance. And then organizations are looking for something different. They perhaps you know went through this pandemic with an HR leader that wasn't you know as prepared or couldn't help lead them. So we're seeing a lot of movement. Um, I'm getting calls daily from either staffing firms or even some CEOs who've got my name and are like, help, you know, I'm like, well, I only have so much bandwidth, but I do know a few people. So, um, but yes, we're definitely seeing it uh, in the HR space as well. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I'm, and I'm particularly seeing it in the compensation area, you know, where I specialize and I've just never seen so much movement never seen so many job openings. I mean, there are amazing job openings, um, you know, and, and like you do, we post those jobs on, on one of our websites. You, you have a job posting on, on your website. So again, that's a little plug for the NERA website. So uh, I know. appreciate that. I appreciate Well, it's interesting because it is a, it is a small, but, you know, nice little revenue stream for us. It has been for years and years. And I, I, you know, was really conservative coming into the pandemic um, about the job board and it ended up just blowing, uh, blowing up. Yeah. It was great. It yeah. was a nice, it was a nice surprise because, you know, in April and May, it really, it really got quite quiet, but now it, it's really amazing. Uh, there's hundreds of jobs on there. So. Yeah. And that, that just tells you a little bit about what's going on. Like you said, in, in human resources, the job openings, the opportunities. So people heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great time to be in HR. <laughs> it is. I agree. Now, now, talk a little bit about the impact that the pandemic has had on on women in the workforce. Yeah, it's you know I've been doing a lot of reading about this, and um, it, you know it, it really boils down to caregiving, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's it's the place where we sit, we as women sit in society. Um, in caring for children, in caring for family members, and care and caring for older um, parents, and and the, the burden still, you know, rests on us, and that didn't change. It only was amplified during the pandemic, and so 
what it has done and what we can tell so far only being a year in is really exacerbated the uh, gender equity um, gap that already existed. So, you know, I just read something the other day where it's going to take us now six generations to catch up. So you and I will be long gone, I think, by then. Um, (laughs) But really, again, there were two things that happened. One is that um, women were faced with, largely faced with the, the decisions around daycare, right? So everything shut down in May. And even when private daycare started to open back up, they were, it was limited. So it was hard, harder to get into spots, whether it's, it was private or a big center, it was harder to get in because they had fewer um, spots. And, and then um, on top of that, you start to, you know, especially when the kids are really little and they're not in school, you're just worrying about them all the time. And do I even want to send them into someone else's home or into a center? And so dealing with all the, that, you know, those, those safety issues, or frankly, they're home and they're crawling all over you mm-hmm. while you're on Zoom meetings. I've seen that happen time and time again. And, and while I, as a, as a leader, and I know other leaders feel this way, it's like totally fine. Mm-hmm. I know the people that, that are, it's happening to, it's not fine for, because it feels um, it doesn't feel professional. It, and it's just, you know, you're being pulled in so many di- different directions. You're on Zoom. You may even have, you know, let's say your mother-in-law is there to help, but the kids know that you're there and they're screaming through the door. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> it really is. I've just witnessed it and, and watched, you know, the, the stress build. And, and so again, even if it, it, if that, those types of incidents don't matter to your boss or to the other people on a call with you. They, they take their toll. And so you're constantly um, stretched in a lot of different directions. And so a lot of women have just opted out. They're like, this just absolutely is not worth it. Um, And we, and so then, you know, again, I think that it's like 2 million women um, have left the workforce and that's a huge gap, especially when you think about the advancements we've made and the fact that, you know, organizations are really focused on the development of women into leadership roles. I mean, where is that pipeline? That's going to be a huge issue. And then on top of that, if they did take this year or next year off, you know, you start to get, luckily in Massachusetts, we've have some remedies for that, but you have that, you know, how do I make up that time in my salary and how do I explain that? Or, um, you know, we tend to apologize for taking time off to care for family. Um, when the reality is I can tell you as a working mother myself, you know, my skill set is far more advanced than it was 18 years ago before I had kids because I'm able to deal with a lot of complexity um, and juggle a lot of things. So, so yes, I think that if there's anything that keeps me up at night, it's both the impact on women and um, on our mental health. Those are the two things I think from in an HR space that we really need to be focused on. Um, I don't necessarily have the answers, but we need to plan for it. Yeah. And, and a lot of it is to the, the homeschooling. What I saw was the homeschooling really put additional pressure on juggling you know, working with the kids, getting, you know, schooled at home and trying to figure out the schedules and, you know, really putting a lot of extra pressure. And I, I appreciate your comment about mental health, you know, just, just having a whole routine of some self-care 
you know, and, and I know you've, you've really kind of focused on that with, with the HR professionals. Yes, we're, we're doing a couple of things in, in the mental health space specifically. We're doing, we're creating a platform of sort of tools and resources and thought leadership and programming focused on mental health in the workplace Mm -hmm. to, to bring to bear, you know, the ability for HR leaders to just tap into that and say, okay, I need A, B, and C. And, I can grab it and go and, and to really, we're laying out a roadmap so you can do an assessment inside of your organization and kind of understand readiness and where, you know, where you need to focus and what are the uh, diversity implications and and all of that kind of stuff. Because again, I think that's a long-term thing that we'll be dealing with based on what we've gone through in the last year. And then from an HR specific standpoint. So, you know, that's the reason I took this job, right, is to help HR professionals take care of themselves. We're looking at creating some opportunities for that as well to say, okay, this has been a heck of a year, you know, can take a day or two and come and join us and learn, you know, learn stuff that you can take back to your organization, but also, you know, pamper yourself a little bit and learn some skills, whether it's meditation or yoga or, um, you know, some other exercise that sort of helps you build that resilience that mm-hmm. you need that everyone talks about, but feels elusive on some days, <laughs> uh, you know, more day, more, sometimes more days than uh, more times than others. Um, so we're focused on that as well and trying to say, okay, you know, here are some things you can use in your organization to help impact the business, but then also, you know, the, the best leaders that I know in this space have a, um, sort of an unrelenting focus on self-care. And, and I think that they've, they'll come out of this whole thing more, you know, in a better place than those of us who've, you know, lived on lucky charms and too much caffeine for, <laughs> for 12 months. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm so glad that you're focusing on that and, and kudos to you and your organization for putting some of those programs together. I really appreciate that. Now, kind of changing gears a little bit, um, you and I teach a program for NERA called Developing HR Fundamentals. And I wanted to ask you, how important is it to teach the next generation of HR professionals? Yeah, great question. You know, what I'm going to say, my short answer is it's very very important. And I think because um, a lot of us I did not fall into HR, but I still hear that people sort of end up in HR. And I think that that's fine. But I also am um, encouraged by this next generation of, um, so we have both developing HR fundamentals and emerging professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm encouraged by what they're bringing to the workforce. Uh, you know, I credit the millennials a lot with um, forcing organizations to think differently about how and when we do work. And I think that this generation will also help shape how we do HR, mm-hmm. for lack of a better uh, way to articulate that. So I, and so I think even understanding some of the fundamentals in, in the scope of HR, because it's such a broad profession. I don't know of another profession that has everything from, you know, the deep analytical work or, around comp, um, design and delivery and surveys and understanding how to close that equity pay equity gap to the sales end, right? Recruiting and um, getting people on board and um, and then training and development and employee relations and labor relations and benefits and you know so it's so broad and you don't need to be a master in all of it. The top HR leaders will tell you like you know you don't need to know 
you know, everything about everything, but to understand the whole scope of it from a fundamental level is what the program that we, they put this together way before I started, but the program that we delivered today is meant to do, right? To say, here's, here are all the big pieces that you need to know about. And you might focus on one or all of them along your career, but to understand the entire sort of focus, because again, it's so broad, I think is really important. Yeah, I agree. And what I'm seeing from, from the folks that are coming into HR and coming into our workforce really is, is they're, they're demanding things from our leaders, right? They're demanding a diverse workforce, transparency, career progression, um, social justice and social responsibility. I mean, it's, it's amazing the impact you know, the, the young folks coming into our organizations are having. Absolutely. And I love that. I love that. I think, you know, someone said, uh, and it's been a a while, but they were, you know, they talk about the millennials wanting purpose and the clarification was we all wanted purpose, right? Every generation behind them wanted purpose, but they stated it and they demanded it. And so it started sort of with that, like, what's, you know, why would I work here? What does this organization do? How does it benefit society? How are you treating people? How are you making the world better? All of those types of things. And so um, I think that that they will also help shape how HR is done. And the more that we can, you know, going back to technology, sort of leverage technology to do the administrative components and really really hold the the people piece, the human piece, right? Those, that feedback, that development, that personalization of the experience that someone has when they are part of an organization, um, which is bigger than even engagement. That's what I think they'll help shape. And so if, if we can just grab them early and say, okay, here are the things that you need to think about, and then know that they're going to go in any other, any kind of direction. But I absolutely agree. It's, it's really, um, I love how vocal they are and and that, you know, I think will help shape our future. I couldn't agree more. And that's why it's so exciting to work with young people that are, that are pursuing a career in human resources, because you get a chance to really, you know, just kind of show them um, the way and then let them take it from there. That's, that's the way I see it. Yeah, I agree. I, because it will be different for them than it was Mm -hmm. for you and I. It will. No question. So, you know, it's exciting for, you know, I really do believe it's exciting time to be in HR. When I started, I won't name the date or the year, (laughs) but, you know, it wasn't so exciting. I was doing a lot of, you know, what we used to call reject letters and filing (laughs) stuff and onboarding was really about, you know, filling out a bunch of paperwork and showing someone around the office. So it really is just so much more um, meaningful now. And, and, and so that's, I I really do think it's, it's a great, uh, time to be in the profession. No, I agree. I mean, again, when I started, it was much more transactional. It's become much more strategic and that's what I love about it. And, and that's that value that, that we can add to our organizations. So very well said. A um, couple of other things you have, you have an annual conference coming up and can you share some details with us? Sure, sure. Um, so we have an annual conference every year in the fall, usually late September, early October. We're still in the decision making part of that. We will definitely hold it. Um, but, you know, going into this this year, um, a lot of organizations, including our own, thought we would be virtual, but it looks like we're going to be in person. So um, Sarah's going to kill me for announcing that over a podcast, but 
we are working really to, um, as people, more people get vaccinated, to really rethink that event and quite frankly, all of our events. So I think that um, maybe having some shorter events that are more focused on particular areas and, you know, what I would love to see is, a, like I said before, a day or two where HR professionals can, you know, come in and really focus on themselves. And again, with a business lens, so things that they can take back to their organization, but just an opportunity to connect in person is what everyone is asking us for. Um, I know the content will be important. Recertification credits are important for anybody listening to this. I get that. But I also think that the priority needs to be, you know, for those who have been um, in on the front lines in a different way, not in healthcare or um, in a public way, but certainly in the front lines of their own organization. So um, stay tuned for more on that in terms of dates and probably be multiple dates which is kind of exciting. That's a great idea to do multiple dates. Well, I have to tell you, I have the dubious honor of having presented one of your uh, programs on the very last day that we could do it in person. It was March oh, yeah. of last year. And I've, oh, had wow. several, <laughs> I've had several students say, uh, Dave, you know that course you taught for Nira? That was the last time I was with a group of people. Wow. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, they'll remember you forever, right? I remember That's the last right. lunch I had, the people I had my last lunch with. So I think that those are definitely mile markers that we'll, we'll never forget. Yeah, no question. So I'll be glad to get back and, and I hope I get a chance to, to attend your annual conference. I really love going to that. I meet a lot of great people and there's just a lot of good content and, and usually great keynote speakers and, and breakout speakers. So it really, it really is a great community. And, and again, you know, we work, uh, I have a great team at NARA that works hard on, on, um, and a, and a committee, a programming committee that works hard to put together really relevant, um, content. And I think what we've always tried to do is mix in, you know, a little bit of that self-care, but also leave some spots for emerging topics so that, you know, we don't plan something in the spring that may not be as relevant in the fall and, and so on. But at the end of the day, it's really about community. It re it's really interesting because people definitely learn and they'll say, Oh yeah, I, you know, I saw the speaker at the conference two years ago, or, you know, I met someone who, you know, was able to come in and provide some support for us, whatever it is, but they love seeing each other. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like old home week and, and people who have never been to the conference a couple of years ago, we started this kind of buddy system so they could hook up with somebody who's been there a couple of times. And it, it's all that social interaction and all of those conversations, either over a drink or a cup of coffee or whatever that um, I think really keeps people connected, you know? And so that's what we've missed is that kind of that emotional connection that you get from wandering the halls and going down to the, um, sponsor pavilion or it, the Seacrest, you know, walking out on the, on the beach in the morning with someone, it's really that entire experience that we're all, we're all missing. Yes. I, I totally agree. One last question for you. How, how do you see the role of HR changing in the post pandemic world? Yeah. You know, uh, from what I've been um, hearing from my HR colleagues it really has changed a lot in a year. So even job descriptions for, let's say, a senior HR business partner, which everyone is looking for, <laughs> right? Um, some of that has really changed. And and part of it is, uh, so the complexities of this post-pandemic world and being able to navigate 
a hybrid of remote and in person and um, and anything that may have been complicated in person is is 10 times more complicated in remote, right? So let's just take employee development, for example. One of the things, and I'm going to go on a tangent here just for a second, but bear with me, is that in the employee development space, right, we can teach them a lot of things, but some of what helps someone either, let's say, assimilate into an organization or develop inside of an organization are, are observed behaviors. And so, and again, I know organizations have been remotely working remotely for years and years. So maybe that's not new to them. But for those of us who've been in office environment, sort of day in and day out, those are the intangible things that you pick up that you probably don't even realize. And so trying to navigate that from even an HR standpoint, as it relates to employee development, is what does learning look like now? How do we create an experience for them that is meaningful, whereby they can learn from other people even though they may not be seeing them as often? And how do we deliver those things in in a meaningful way? Everyone has Zoom fatigue, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to figure out, you know, the employee experience, the candidate experience when they've never even met their coworkers to, you know, um, to how do we keep them engaged and, and develop them along the way, you know, being promoted or moving into other parts of the organization, you know, how do we make that clear to them? This is what it would look like. And then just, you know, going back to where we are now with safety and um, people being concerned about coming back and will we need to somehow mandate um, vaccinations or incentivize people to get a vaccine. You know, there's a lot of talk. We're doing some, we have a legal summit I'll plug um, on uh, May 13th, and we're going to talk. We're going to have a panel with uh, three HR executives and an attorney. And so it should be really interesting because the whole focus will be on kind of culture and risk and, you know, how do you, how do you manage those things? So I think that um, it has forever changed all of us. I think it has change the HR profession in that visibility will never, will never go away because the, the complexity of the business issues will not go away. So I think we're more visible than um, as a profession than we ever have been in the past. And I think that the focus on continued focus on people and talent um, and really driving engagement in a completely different way, I think than we have in the past will will change the way that we, we do the work in HR. Um, and I think for the better, for the most part, I just, I do worry about the burnout factor. These are really long days for my HR colleagues and big decisions and heavy heart decisions that, um, because if you, then you overlay everything else that's going on in the world, um, it really becomes, um, quite daunting. So mm-hmm. again, take care of yourselves. That's my, <laughs> that's my, uh, that's my my mes- my message for this morning. Take care of yourselves. Excellent message, and I totally agree. It's going to be challenging, but a bright future for HR. Totally yes. agree. So, uh, thank you for that that answer. I really appreciate that. Now, how can our listeners get in touch with you? So you can follow me on social media, both um, where we have presence on LinkedIn, the NARA um, group, and you can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, you can also reach me via email at tbm at nara.com. So it's T as in Tom, B as in boy, M as in Mary at nara.com. 
Um, I think I'm on Twitter and Instagram and everything else as well. So, but if you need, if you, you can visit our website and find out more information about what we have going on at nara.com. But if you have any particular questions or need a resource, you can feel free to reach out to me directly. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Tracy, it was a pleasure talking with you and thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us this week on Pay Matters. Make sure to visit our website, paymattersbook.com, where you can check out our best-selling book, Pay Matters, The Art and Science of Employee Compensation, available for purchase on the website and now on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. David Weaver is available for compensation consulting, training programs, and speaking engagements. Thanks for listening. Show me the money. Whatever.